Hello and welcome to Robin Pod Weekly number seven, which is of course powered by Budget Ties Auto Centre, the only car specialist trusted by the club officials, players and supporters of Hulkington Rovers. Joining me for this Robin Pod is regular Graham Turner. How are you doing, Graham? Very well, Chris. Thank you. Very well, yourself? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Uh, great opening to the season, isn't it? Two rounds in, two victories. Um, only conceded two tries and we go into the Salford game uh, with a, a fully fit squad. We'll come on to that a little bit later, but that victory over Leeds, um, I don't know, it, it wasn't a pretty victory, was it? But it seemed very functional, um, something that we're probably going to have to co- become accustomed to during the course of the season, uh, as Willie Peters has laid down the mantra, hasn't he, that um, defence is king. And, and making sure that the other team doesn't score more than us is more important than how many points we might score. Yeah, I think it was, like you say, it wasn't the prettiest game to, to watch. It wasn't the most uh, skill on show, but we came away with the two points at the end of 80 minutes, which was pleasing to see. And the attitude and um, efforts of in defence were, were again there for all to see. And you look at the points we did concede, and whilst it was a brilliant try, that the Hanley one, that, that you know, take that out the loop and... The, the sin bin in early doors and, and you know, capitalising on that. Defensively, we weren't stretched that much, certainly in the second half when you thought they were going to give us an onslaught. thought our defence was solid. Um, conditions weren't great for, for good rugby for both sides, so the pitch was was very soft and didn't didn't help that. And uh, But yeah, ultimately, we, we got a job done. We came away with, with the two points and uh, yeah, gives us another boost of confidence for, for week three. Yeah, it's funny that pitch, wasn't it? Because it, it looked absolutely immaculate, didn't it? It looked it looked good enough to play snooker on it. And then after a few minutes, you could just see how soft it was underfooting and, and uh, the lumps of turf being chained up. Thankfully, it didn't have too much of an impact. And obviously, there's work to be done there. Uh, Pet Hiku, Simbin, bang early on, um, holding on too long. Um, yeah, he... Um, he definitely deserved it, I think, for, for the professional foul. And then Leeds running in try scorers just a few minutes later. It's not the start that the Robins would have wanted to, to um, get off to, but it looked like the, the Robins never really panicked either. The, they seemed to get a foothold in the game. And, and we saw uh, Sauso so crashing over for a try. And, and I think it was just rewards, really, for the way that they, uh, they responded to the, the early setback. Yeah, I think look on on watching the, the the incident back, Hiku argues that he got his arm trapped under. But like you, I think it was probably more of of, of him in the wrong than than um, the, the Leeds defender being cute and clever and keeping him in there. So, and if I'm honest, I didn't didn't think he needed to do it. He got done by a, a, a bounce and almost tried to redeem himself by buying his, his his teammates an extra second or two. But ultimately, that cost him ten minutes. Probably rightly, as as you said, Jono. Um, we did concede in that period, which was always a, a danger when you go down to twelve. How you react, but I think the the positive bit was that we we didn't steer away from our game plan. We didn't um, we, we didn't sort of uh, go knee jerk into into making rash decisions to chase the game early, very early doors. We stuck to that game plan, and, and like you say, um, so and, and again, just just want to get your thoughts on this and anybody who's who's listening at the minute. 
he seems a different player when now looking at him with his haircut and his, his trimmed up physique. I didn't, you know, for us, didn't recognise him initially uh, in that. But to get down and scoop that one up for his try, I thought was was great agility and hands for a for a big guy. And yeah, absolutely brought us back into the game at a time when we needed it. Yeah, it was almost carbon copy of the try he scored against the Rhinos uh, last season as well. So it's all, you know, deja vu. And you're right, just in his appearance, he seems different. Um, you know, who knows? A full pre-season, um, you know, over here. May have paid the world of good. I mean, um, he suffered a, a number of injuries last season, didn't he? But he's definitely looking sharp, quick, um, aggressive, good line speed, um, everything that you'd want to see from from one of your props who's supposed to be a bit of a the wrecking ball. I suppose it's fair to give him that mantle, isn't it, when you look across the, the other props. Um, so great to see him go over the line. And great to see Jez Litton slot the kick over the uh, over the H, wasn't it? I mean, it became apparent that Petter Hicko wasn't on kicking duties. Some of the players came out uh, to warm up. James Batchelor and Jez Litton, there. They were practicing the kicks and um, Jez Litton follows it up later, just a, a few minutes later with a penalty as well. And he looked very astute in front of the uh, posts when he was kicking against Leeds. It, it, it did. And yeah, obviously the week prior, um, whilst it didn't have an impact on the, the result itself against Hull at, at 22-0, it, it's something that in the back of a few of our minds thought, hang on a minute, it's fine when you're 22-0 up, you can miss four kicks. But when you're in a crunch game and you're needing a clutch two points, you can't afford to be hitting the corner flag with a with a with a two-point conversion. So um to see Lytton perform in a composed manner in front of, of goal was was reassuring. Is he the long-term successor to the goal kicking duties? Again, I'm not sure. And others within the club will be far more clued up on that than us. But yeah, he gave an assured performance and I think the the best one was out on the touchline in that second half when he slotted one over from Ryan Hall's try that, that gave me the confidence that actually he is a competent kicker and we should we should trust him. And and again I know it was sort of ironic as the as the the kicks were going over that the cheers were coming in for it. But again, from a confidence perspective, um yeah, for for, for him to start slotting I think was it four, four out of four or five out of five that he got was should give him, you know, should give him the confidence. It should hand him the the T on a regular basis on that on that basis. I think. Yeah, I mean, you pose a question there. Is Jeslet and the the answer to our kicking kicking problems? Is he the the long term kicker? Um, I suppose we're, we're no closer to knowing, are we? Because um, Willie Peters already said that a number of players have put their hands up. Uh, to, to for kicking duties, and this could turn out to be one of the greatest coaching masterstrokes ever seen, couldn't it? Where a team doesn't rely on just one goal kicker throughout the course of a season, actually, we're able to draw upon a, a number of kickers. Um, it just goes to that old adage, though, isn't it? What you do in training is completely different to what you, you experience out on the on the pitch, isn't it? And, and it's that being able to transmit that from, from the training paddock out onto the pitch and do it regularly. And, and Lytton, I suppose, he's, he's got the kicking tee at the moment. It will be interesting, and we're going to come on to that when we talk about the Salford game, what happens when he spells, um, when Woody Peters spells Lytton and um, Matty Parcel. But then, like we said, this could be the greatest coaching masterstroke where actually it doesn't matter because we've got another two or three kickers on the pitch at the same time. So we will see. Um, half time the scores, eight points to the Robins, six to the Rhinos, and then Ryan Hall goes off 
goes over after 46 minutes. Uh, great scene scampering out to the uh, on the left wing, wasn't it? Going over the try line. A player who's not necessarily known for his try scoring over the last couple of years, more famed for his metres out of back play and, and his, uh, the work he does there. But he's still got that instinct and that natural try scoring ability. Yeah, I'd, I'd still back him ball in hand from eight to ten metres out, looking forward and going for that line. I'd, I'd still want him in my side to do that. And you're right, his trying at, try scoring exploits have been steady over the last couple of seasons for us, and and we've we've really relied on the uh, the strength and skill and speed to bring it out of back play and give us some some breathing room in you know when we've been on the back foot for a while. So yeah, always you know always looking to 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 get over the line and edge ever closer to that to that Super League record from his his Paul Maguire. But I think before that there was some almost basketball style um scramble play and attack to, to get the ball out to him, which which I won't say went unnoticed, but it wasn't until I watched it back later on that I actually saw what, what happened in, in the build up to that one. So again it just shows that from an attacking perspective, I think Tyrone May was had his hands in there and um Gildart as well. So again it just bodes well of 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 us being on on tip-top form in terms of attacking prowess and, and being really switched on when it matters on that fifth or sixth tackle to create that space and opportunity for somebody like Ryan Hall to, to have a go at the line from which, yeah, when looking back at it, he never looked like missing that one. Yeah. Thankfully, Tyrone May didn't have his hand in that. It was more his, his knee or his shin was in it as it yeah. rolled up. Um, yeah. That was obviously what the video rep was checking to see whether it was a knock-on. But one thing I wanted... Bringing up Tyrone, mate, um, I don't know if many Robin supporters uh, noticed it. It's something I noticed, and please comment if you're, if you're watching on YouTube. But Tyrone May in, in the warm-up, I wouldn't say he's the most um, enthusiastic um, player. He seems to be very, very languid in his style, very laid back. He's always the last runner. I think he was the last one into the, into the changing room. But do you know what? You can, you can see... How that almost benefits him in his style of play, and and how we're starting to benefit from that because he's a he's a cool customer, isn't he? And he doesn't seem to let anything um, fluster him. But yeah, I just picked up in the warm up, just watching him and and how uh, how laid back I should say he was. Yeah, we, we we picked that up as well where we were, and it, it was almost I was almost thinking negatively in the fact that oh blimey, as he pulled up injured because he's walking around, he's not taking full part in that sprint that they do as the one of the last actions and he's he walks off the field where everybody else jogs off the field and you know as he pulled a muscle or something like that and, and then all of a sudden he, he comes on and helps you know helps a calming influence in the game and, and, and to control it. So look if that's what he does, if that's how he trains to you know that's what he needs to get himself um in the best shape possible for, for his game face, then yeah, fair fair play to him. Um let him do that. What I would uh what I would like to see is, is a bit more enthusiasm in it, though, because I think with with that appearance, it, it could rub off on others as, oh, he's not taking it seriously and um, he's only giving it half half beans. But when it comes to it, as long as he does the business on the pitch, then, yeah, it should be, uh, should be a good sign for him if he is performing like that after what we would class as a, a lackadaisical warm-up. Yeah, and sometimes, Graham things that happen on a rugby pitch and 
it's the opposition who will score it or, or do it. And Ash Hanley's try, I suppose, you've just got to stand back and applaud it. It was a fantastic kick from Brody Croft. Um, I do think, though, there was a slight change, wasn't there, in personnel just prior yeah. to that yeah. way. I think Tom Opperchick went yeah. out to the wing. We saw Pet Hickel coming to centre. And if you look at their their spots, they started uh, from defending that um, that play. Opperchick was, uh, I think, just tucked far too inside because you could see the two Leeds players what, raring to go from where they was. And it was quite clear from their positioning they weren't going to get ball in hand. Um, yet it still takes a lot of skill to be able to execute that move and, and they did it perfectly. Yeah, absolutely. I think from a defensive perspective, we picked up on that as well, that, that there'd been a shift around with, with those three players and um, whether it was a circumstance of that, look, the, the def defences compress um, centrally or left and right naturally anyway to, to try and keep play predictable and keep it in an area. So you've got to take your hat off to particularly to Croft, who spotted that. He's obviously given some sort of call or, or made some sort of gesture for, for Handley to be on his on his guard with that. And yeah, then you still got to execute that kick and put it on a plate. It didn't bounce. It just went straight into his hands and it was off to the races. And I think there was, a, there was an opportunity where we could have got him about 30, 35 metres out, but sort of stepped inside and left somebody grasping grasping at thin air as it was. And then, yeah, it was a clear run to the line. So, yeah, like, like you said, John, you've just got to stand back and say, well played, lads. That, that was a fantastic try. Yeah, and it does look like that is going to be a feature um, throughout the season because he did, uh, Willie Peters did the same thing in the pre-season friendly at Headingley against Leeds. So, I think we're going to become a, a bit more accustomed to it. I suppose it does does solidify us in that wing position, doesn't it? If putting up a check out there, Peter Hiku at centre. I mean, Peter Hiku, of course, played full NRL season last season at centre. Upper check, normally a centre, but so solid in there. So it does add some solidity on that right wing slot. And obviously, with Evels at fullback, creates um, some space in back play. Um, I think on that one, John, about, as well. Sorry, mate. I think on that one, I think that can be a sort of in-game tactic that can be employed if if things are going for you or not going for you. You've got that ability in game without using interchanges to make 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 a difference on the field. So by moving one or two or three of those players in into different positions, it just gives you that flexibility to adapt to to a circumstance. And we know Handley is strong uh, on that side and. It, it might have been to, to, to show something up against that the, the Peters had seen in on that particular side for, for a while. It might have been just to give somebody a breather by shoving them out on the wing for a little while. So, yeah, it could be, you know, it could be two or three different scenarios, but it's good that we've got that flexibility to be able to do that with the, with the calibre of players. Yeah, and that fluidity is definitely something Willie Peters craves from his players. Uh, Pickett, Pet Hickou, he scores his first try for the Robins and just... Litton seals the deal with his two points. Uh, nice little tidy kick through from Taro Mills and, and uh, Hiku, he, he smelt that out and, and he got on the end of it. And I think the game looked pretty comfortable after that. Yeah, I think that was training ground move. I think that one with, with, with the fullback coming through onto that premeditated kick. So it's still going to be executed. Conditions weren't great. The, the, the ground was slippery, albeit soft ground. So yeah, the kick was, was good, well, well executed. Great timing on the run from Hiku and it was a, a slight double check on whether he grounded it in, in goal. But yeah, no no issues with that one whatsoever. Good for him to get off the mark, I think, for us as well. Hopefully give him a little bit of confidence, you know, if he, if he was lacking in any following the sin binning and, and looking to try and make amends and then 
the week previously. I think he dropped a, a relatively easy one under under no pressure. Um, so if he was looking in for any confidence, hopefully that that gives him it and yeah sets him on the way for for many more tries for us this season. Yeah, the only negative in terms of the stats that I could pick out was the completion rate. The Robins were operating at seventy eight percent. Uh, during the game, whereas the Rhinos were up at eighty-seven percent. Um, early days, isn't it? They're still, they're still trying things. They're still um, learning, you know, the patterns of playing, and um, you know, and you expect throughout the course of the season that will improve. Yeah, I, I get that, but but there were, I call them unforced errors that we made that handed possession straight back. And yes, the conditions weren't great. The ball was slippery. The pitch was soft. It was raining. Whatever. I get all that. But there's certain things that we didn't do well um, on occasions. There must have been three or four occasions where we didn't play the ball correctly and everybody's been sort of told about that and getting square at marker, etc. Those those are nothing to do with skill levels or anything like that. That's just basic fundamentals. And if we can minimise those to, to an absolute minimum or zero, then we'll tidy our game up no end. And we, we just, I thought we just invited um, unnecessary pressure too often by, by making those unforced errors that, that aren't a result of any defensive pressure or, or bad decision-making. It was just poor execution of a simple task. Yeah, and in a way, Graham, that's that's good, isn't it? It means we're, we're coming away with victories. We're not hitting the straps just yet. We've got things to improve on. So you imagine if we do improve on them throughout the course of the season, you know, there's still plenty more to come from this Robin side, which is... You know, that's why I think there's a, a bit of a buzz about the side because we know that the probably, you know, even the victory over over that lot, it, it wasn't sparkling, but it was effective and we did enough. So the fact that there's still room for improvement um, speaks volume of where this side could go. Absolutely. And I, I think I probably base my comments on the standards that we set ourselves and aiming for those st standards being the norm, uh, the, sorry, those high standards being the norm. And not accepting that 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 level of um, mediocrity that, that we've been seeing in the past, um, you know, Peters has instilled the, those defensive standards and that an effort area as he calls them, um, and, and players are really buying into that. So if we can just reduce those unnecessary errors that we give away, then again, it, it can only put us in better stead because we aren't just handing possession back in early tackle counts. Yeah, uh, Jez Litton, he got three points in the Man of Steel. Uh, Jai Whitbread, two points and one point for Elliot Minchilla. I mean, we saw what Jez Litton did with the boot, but also he looked very accomplished in the hooker role, didn't he? He's got the, he's got the confidence of knowing that he's he's first-choice hooker at the moment, uh, Matty Parcel. Of course, missing the game uh, due to the suspension he received after the OFC game. Uh, but Jez Litton looked very astute at hooker, and you can see him really starting to cement that hooker starting spot role. Yeah, and I, I think we've, we've known that he's been decent in those interchange spells over the last two, two or three seasons with, with Parcel. He got 80 minutes on, on Thursday night and looked very accomplished. And I'm just sort of reading the comment that Steve's made in, in the comments section there about uh, Lytton being fantastic again. And I think that's becoming a normal comment that people are making is that Lytton is now giving us what Parcel used to give us every week, it, albeit a bit of a role reversal, whether that's an age thing, whether that's managing Parcel's workload and his body, uh, you know, and swapping their roles around. But it doesn't give us any any detrimental uh, loss in performance by by having Lytton do the, the 60 minutes or, or 80 minutes on, on Thursday night and, and Parcel coming on. I think 
I think, as, as Steve alludes to there, Jesleton was fantastic. And to take the added responsibility of the goal kicking as well on his shoulders and add that to, to his armoury, again, just enhanced you know, the, the levels of performance, which will bring, again, new levels of expectation um, for, for, for Jez. But hopefully he can embrace that and, and thrive on it and continue to put those levels in for us. And with Parcel being there to to back up or, or interchange or spell whatever Peter sees fit, again, we've got two very, very good number nines in there for us. Yeah, and let's round off up the uh, the Leeds game. Uh, Jai Whitbread, someone who's really come in and made an impact. I mean, that game against Leeds, 41 tackles, six tackle busts, 14 carries, <clears throat> 109 metres, uh, average gain of eight metres. I mean, um, he's playing long minutes, which is what Willie Peters expects from him. Um, so he's one of the players, the props who you'll see out there for a good number of minutes. Um, and he's repaying Willie Peters' faith in him at the moment as well through his levels of performance. And um, we saw a few question marks, didn't we, in pre uh, prior to pre-season when we let go um, Reese Kennedy. Some people questioning whether that was the right move. Baza, he mentions it. Uh, he says actually... Uh, Salso Sue's got something to prove in the wake of Kennedy leaving. But I tell you what, I don't think Reese Kennedy would be near that side whatsoever. And, and Jai Whitbread um, looks very much the type of player that Willie Peters really likes. Yeah, absolutely. I think many people, I was one of these many people who were Whitbread were, were, were not overly sure of what he would, could bring to the team. And it was in a, a you know a poor team at, at, at Waking. And coming across, you're thinking, what, what is it he's going to bring? Actually, now we're seeing what he can bring and very impressed so far with, with what I've seen and, and know others have commented accordingly as well about the value that he brings to the team. I'm impressed with his post-contact metres as well. He doesn't just stop at the line. There's, there's, there's but, you know, half busts, busts coming on and and taking players backwards with him as well, um, which is good. And what him allowing, so what him being able to play big minutes will allow is for those impact props like Sue, for example, or King to, to do a really quality focused piece of work rather than dragging their time out and, and reducing their impact because they're, they're too tired. Um, by him being able to perform at that level for those amount of minutes should allow for their impact to be felt over those shorter periods of time as well and, and give us a real good balance in the, the four or five props, whichever it goes with. Um, to, to really get on top of of many teams in the league. Yeah, definitely. Long may that continue. Um, since the last Robin pod, a couple of new signings for the Robins. Uh, ben Reynolds, he signed on a two-year deal from Featherstone, 30 years old. Um, 30, 59 Super League appearances, 330 points. Of course, a Challenge Cup winner with the Lee Leopards last season. Uh, a player who didn't necessarily endear himself to Hulkington Road supporters last season. In the wake of Sean Kenny Dowell's uh, ban, no doubt uh, Willie Peters was looking for cover in that half-back position, as was a good number of supporters who, who saw Jordan Abdul depart on loan to the Catalan Dragons and question what happens if Mikey or Tyrone get injured. Um, the market's very slim, isn't it, for, for players in that half-back position. Um, the fact Reynolds Graham's come on a two-year deal gives us a bit more security, doesn't it? And it probably alludes... Uh, it shows us where Jordan Abdul is probably going to be next season. Um, but a good, decent player, good kicker. He's got decent footwork. He creates tries. He's able to to score some. 
you know, when you look at the market, I think uh, Rovers have done some very smart business there. Yeah, I agree with everything you said there, John. Again, we were trying to, to, to work out where he plays because at the minute, I would say he's going to be third choice in the halves behind Tyro, Mern, Mikey. Um, if they stay fit, where, where, you know, where does he play? Is it just for cover purposes? He's got a good kicking game on him, as, as you've alluded to, and, and kicked a lot of points for the Leopards last season and, and notably some against us as well. Um, so, we, you know, we had the discussion around as he'd been brought in additionally for his kicking duties, which if he has, then he has to play. And if he does play, where does he play? Who does he displace? And again, that's where we sort of hit the brick wall of, of where does he fit in if, if that's the, the rationale. If it's just for cover, then yeah, good addition, solid player. Um, like you said, didn't endear himself to, to the Rovers fans last season. It was one of those players who you love to hate as an opposition fan. Um, gets under your skin because he usually performs pretty well. Scores kicks from you know from all over the place uh, as well, and generally just winds you up as an opposition fan. So yeah, let's let's see where he goes. I think you're right. The market is slim, but it just again just adds to the question of what about the the signings we've made, the PLTs of this world who have been earmarked. Is that still too? Early for his development to throw him in as a as a cover in the halves, you know where, where does you know where do players like that fit in? So um, many questions, but, but yeah, happy to have that cover sorted. I think it probably you're right in terms of a nail in the coffin for Jordan Abdul um, coming back after after a season. I think that's that's sort of clear where Peters is thinking on on that one, given that it's a two year deal. So um, yeah, let's 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 support him. Uh, at, if he gets the, the, the shirt at, at any time, if there's any injuries, suspensions, loss of form, etc., I'm sure it'll be a solid addition to, to the halves. Yeah, what excites me about this signing, Graham, is, and, and we don't know how much, how, what truth was in the rumour at the time, but obviously Luke Gale was linked with the Robins, wasn't he? And what yeah. conjecture, whether he was actually an offer made or whatever. For me, Luke Gale would have been coming in purely as cover in the event of a an injury. For me, I do see Reynolds having the opportunity to challenge and 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 put his hat in the ring for a starting spot, and I think that dynamic is 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 better for us because you know ultimately, if Ben Reynolds uh, Ben Reynolds gets a spot in the side and he displaces Tyrone May or Michael Lewis, it's because he deserves that opportunity, which is only a good thing for the side. So hey, look, I know he's signed as cover and he's the fair choice halfback at the moment. But um, he's got every opportunity of staking a claim for that jersey in training. And the only thing is you might expect to see him maybe loaned out during the season. You might see him uh, going to the cliff side, you know, as as, um, as cover. We'll see what happens there. But, yeah, it's a signing that I'm very pleased about. And, and the other signing, which was made uh, on the, think the, day, the day after we recorded the last Robin pod is the signing of a, a rugby league legend, uh, one of the game's greats, someone who's still playing at the highest level possible, um, and that is Jared Waiwara Hargreaves. Um, I mean, there's oh. been lots of coverage of this in the media. I know I'm pronunciations, Graham. I can see him <laughs> chuckling. If anyone's listening on the podcast, Graham's, yeah, you can hear him chuckling in the background. I still need to, um, I still need to get my uh, my teeth in, but Graham. What a what a signing! What an absolute statement signing! Yeah, absolutely. And again, like you said, performing at the highest level, 
in the NRL. By the time he comes over to us, 35, 36 years of age, I, I was surprised. Yeah, if it's 36, it's, if it's 36 by the time he's out next season. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I was surprised firstly by the timing of when they announced the signing, but uh, as in it was after game one of, of the season and we're talking about 25 season already. So I was surprised at that because they usually save those nuggets to, to till nearer the end of the season but yeah absolutely what a statement in terms of the caliber of player um a massive uh pal of of, of skd uh, i think that was instrumental in getting the deal over the line if um in the first place if we can get a consistent year of performance like we see now in the nrl out of him that can only help us as a, as a team and a squad and players being in and around that level of experience, that professionalism, it can only rub off on them. So some of the young players perhaps being in and around that and, and working with and working alongside a player mm -hmm. of Hargreaves' calibre, that, that can only help us. My only fear at this stage is about his body being able to withstand another year of NRL and then coming over to us to, to, to do Super League. I just hope he can stay fit. But like we've talked about previously, Jono, with Ryan Hall, is the ultimate professional in terms of how he looks after himself, how he conducts himself. So I've got no doubt that he will be doing everything possible to to, to bring himself over in good shape. And I'm sure many of the, the viewers and listeners have, have sort of seen the the snippet of the interview that he did and, and and he sounds very very positive and excited by the opportunity that's been presented at joining the the robins yeah um if anyone's joining into this podcast um and expecting to hear from andrew ferguson from uh, rugby league project um and fergo and the free podcast i did speak to him and the idea was to record an interview for 10 minutes and put it in this podcast i actually ended up speaking to him for 45 minutes about all kinds of things. One of the subjects was around Hargreaves and the signing for the Robins, and he's got nothing but praise for him. He says he's a family man. He's totally committed to the game. He says he's a current player. He's not like it's signing for the Robins on the back of a long injury layoff. He's playing minutes, and he expects him to come over, in not just for one year, but for two years. Um, so if you get the opportunity, I've turned that interview into a, a YouTube special. So if you go onto the uh, Robin Pod YouTube page, you'll be able to see that full interview with Andrew Ferguson. Great guy, very accommodating. Uh, we had a few technical problems trying to record it, um, but the 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 interview was just going that well that I thought, you know what, let's just let's just go with it and we'll we'll get, do that as a special. But Graham, nothing but praise for for Hargreaves. Um, Interestingly, Matty Parcell is the only quota player who's out of contract at the end of this season. So, um, unless yeah, something we, drastic changes, you'd have to be a, math, a mathematician to put two and two together there, do you? No, and I, I think that was the assumption we came to fairly quickly once we realised that it was Parcell that, that was the only one realistically that was available. Um, so, unless we get told otherwise, I think it's fair to assume that. But just, just jumping back to Hargreaves and we got the opportunity to, to see him in the World Cup last year uh, across at Headingley when they played Ireland. And first of all, he's a, he's, a, he's a beast of a man in terms of his physical size and his presence. And we were fortunate enough to sit a few rows back from the um, from, from the dugouts and where, where the interchanges were. And again, just to see him close up, warming up, looking after himself and then going on the field and 
and performing and then coming back off and working with the other players and talking to them would only echo, echo that ultimate professional tag. Yeah, and one player who sets a benefit from that is Sam Luckley, fresh from signing in a new three-year deal for the Robins. Um, many people thought when he signed that he'd be purely used as backup, even questioned whether he'd feature regularly for the Robins. Well, he's blown that out of the water, hasn't he? And the fact he's been rewarded with a, a long-term deal is fantastic. And he he will only learn from a player of Hargreaves' stature and ability and, and presence. So, um, fantastic, though, to see Sam getting recognised for his contribution in the red and white of Hull Kingston Rovers so far. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I think just just a reward for the efforts put in so far in his in his early part of his career with us. And yeah, hopefully he can benefit. Hopefully he can um, have that assurity of that that new contract under his belt and push on again and get even better for us. And yeah, learn and grow with with the rest of the players there. And ultimately, again, learn from Hargreaves. Um, you know, as and when next season rolls around. So. Um, yeah, can only benefit us if he can keep performing to the to the levels he has been. Yeah, and then just very quickly, Graham, before we move on to the Salford game, um, extremely sad to see Rob Crossland pass away. Um, he was, of course, vice chairman of Hulkingston Rovers, a uh, long-term friend of owner Neil Hudgel, of course, a long, a long, long um, support, long-time support of Hulkingston Rovers, um, became sponsor of the club and then he became uh, a key part of getting the Robins into Super League by by helping fund the, the playing side of course his companies graced the uh, the shirts as a sponsor um, he stepped down in 2019 from his role as vice chairman he attended the Challenge Cup last season as a, a guest of of Neil Hudgel, which was fantastic to see him there but someone who's firmly Graham in the fabric of Hulkingston Rovers made a huge huge commitment, not only just being a, a supporter, but the financial outlay, uh, but also his expertise, um, his technical knowledge and his presence around the club. And, and there won't be anyone who's got a bad word to say about Rob Crossland. So extremely sad news. Yeah, extremely sad. And I echo everything you said there, John. I had the pleasure of meeting Rob a couple of times in uh, a work capacity um, uh, and, and was nothing but but uh, a pleasure to deal with in that respect. And then as soon as he found out, um, or as soon as I made reference to the fact that I was a, a season ticket holder at the Robins, we, we just sort of nattered about, about rugby for, for far too long uh, when it should have been work chit-chat. So, um, yeah, nothing nothing but high praise for Rob. And, um, yeah, I'm sure many people more connected and closer to him than I am um, will, will certainly feel his loss. But, again, as you say, a huge presence within the club over the, over the many years, um, helped build the club, helped support and sustain the club and work tirelessly behind the scenes to, to sort of get it on the right tracks. You know, and hopefully we're starting to see the, the fruits of those efforts come to light now from the, from the hard work that's gone on over the years from people like Rob and others. Yeah, and uh, me and Joe, when Joe was, was presenting the Robin pod with me, uh, we got the chance to speak to... To Rob and speak about his time at the Robins and his views on the club and and the impact he'd had and it's um it was recorded a good uh, about God what a couple of years ago now but it's it's worth listening to now as much as it was worth listening to then uh, and even more so now that we're we're marking the sad passing of Rob Crossland so yeah um, and a fitting tribute paid to him against uh, when we played Leeds so yeah absolutely uh, condolences yeah, absolutely. to his friends family 
Very sad. Um, we move on to the Salford game, Graham. Uh, the squad was announced earlier today. We just mentioned Sam Luckley. He's back, as is Dean Hadley. Um, Matty Parcell also comes back. Louis Senior, uh, Gorman and Tennyson, they drop out of the squad. Some people have called this the strongest 21-man squad we've had in our Super League history. I'm, I don't know. Um, it's a big call, but there's no doubt that Willie Peters has got a very strong lineup to pick from. Yeah, and it's the it's the coach's dilemma that they always talk about as a nice dilemma to have um, of 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 having you know a squad there of 21, 22 fit players who are all chomping at the bit to, to get a jersey on on Saturday afternoon. Um, yeah, he, he's got to you know look at the opposition, look at the tactics and, and and style of play that we want to, to engage with on, on Saturday and then pick the best 17, 18 to, you know, to, to, to do that. And like I've, well, we always talk about, you know, Willie Peters and the coaching staff are close enough to the players to know what their best choices are. And as fans, if we asked us all to, to put our best 17 down, we'd all come up with, you know, many different answers and, and, and formulas of, of what we would do. So I don't envy the, the task at hand because players want to play all the time and, and 21 doesn't go into 17 um, without people being disappointed. So hopefully it can just add fuel to the fire of, of keeping each other on a on a toes. And as you said, John, about competition for places, it's the ultimate competition for places because we've got no injuries, we've got no suspensions, we've got no real lack of form at the minute to, to make decisions easier. So Willie Peters and the coaching staff have got some tough tough calls to make over the next um, next day or so before they announce the, the final match day squad. Yeah, and the um, the interesting point for me is whether, it's a phrase I've used before on the Robin Pod, is whether he sticks or twists. I mean, we're only three rounds into Super League, but with the players who are now available, is it an opportunity to potentially rest players? Whether we need to or not, who knows? I, I, I don't think we know. Uh, we do. Obviously, you've got uh, so like Joe Burgess, who's chomping at the bit to get into the side, is it an opportunity now to to spell him instead of Evolds? Um, because what you'd say is it wouldn't weaken us if they did make that change. But Nile Evolds has, has not really let us down either, so it'd be harsh on him, wouldn't it, to to drop out the side? Absolutely, I'll give yeah. you my thirteen. Um, Hiku, I've gone with Evolds, Opperchick, Gildart Hall, May Lewis. I think that pretty much picks itself. I've started with Whitbread and King with Jeslet in that hooker. Tanganoa and Bachelor, I think they deserve to retain their spots. I can't see Bachelor going anywhere. I mean, Cello, of course, is always going to be loose forward. The bench is the hardest bit now, isn't it, Graham, to, to, to predict and to pick? I think he'll go with Parcel. I'd go with Sue as an out-and-out -out prop, and then I'd go with Hadley and Stoughton, just for the fact that they can both play prop and second row, even loose forward. Whereas if you look at the, the plays left out, UC Fiden, Sam Luckley, you pretty much say they're out and out props at the moment. Corey Hall is 18th man, gives you the versatility. Um, I'd be surprised if he does anything different, but we've seen Willie Peters isn't afraid to do something a little bit different. Yeah, we've seen that last season, John, where we've, we've talked about the ruthless streak. So, again, you know, he's closer than, than we are. We, we just sort of see them on Thursday night and judge our um, opinions on that. We're, we're not there. Monday to Friday on the on the training park and, and seeing seeing how they perform there and picking up little niggles, etc. So we've got to trust that the, the, the 17, 18 that, that Peters and the coaching staff send out there are the ones that that would be 
the best ones in in their opinion and would would get the job done. Um, you, you've got a case, like you said there. I would sort of probably edge edge with yourself on on your selection there and 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 validate that one. But you've got a case for, like you say, for giving those people that work in hard minutes now a chance just to ease off a little bit. But you're winning games. You you mentally you're riding the wave. You've got to keep that going and. When it, it, it's hard to justify somebody like Evels, for example, who's not really put a foot wrong to say, yeah, you're not playing this week because it doesn't sort of ring true with, well, why not? I'm banging form. I've scored a couple of tries this season already. I don't need a rest. I'm not in the middles doing hard yards. But yeah, it's, it's that ultimate conundrum of, of the stick or twist or who do you play? Who do you rest? Who do you keep happy? Who do you get, you know, potentially knocking on your door on a on a Sunday morning saying why I playing gaffer. So yeah, tough decisions, but that's you know, that's what the coaching staff and, and Willie Peters appeared to do. Yeah, and very briefly, Graham, uh Salford, narrow defeat to um to Lee Dranos in the first outing, the defeated uh Castleford narrowly in their second outing. Um all kinds of problems in assembling the squad for 2024, players departing, players signing late on. Um does nothing to, to suggest that Rovers um, should be in trouble against Salford, you know, and I, I'm fully predicting a, a comprehensive victory over over the Salford Red Devils. Yeah, likewise, I'm predicting victory as well, John. I think um, I, I was talking to somebody earlier on today, and I, I think they're sort of predictable in attack, as in now that Croft has gone, they've lost that that X factor within there, and with Sneed, you know exactly what you're going to get, and look, he will guarantee them six, eight, ten points per game. So we've got to be careful of giving away silly penalties where we're just handing two points to them um, and, and minimise that. But I think we've got enough in attack to challenge them, having watched the game last week where Castleford you know, gave them a good a good thinking in defence uh, of how to handle it. And I thought Castleford scored some, dare I say, easy tries against them. So hopefully with a, you know, I would class us as having a better squad, a better attack than Castleford. Hopefully we can cause them more problems than Cast did. And, and likewise, I think we've got a better defence than Castleford have. So I'm predicting a sort of eight to ten point win for us on the day. Yeah, I had given you a score, but I think it's going to be a 20 point margin, Graham. Well. You'll have to wait, you'll have to wait for my tipping league prediction to, to see the exact score. Are you just but seeing I, what everybody else does and then picking the best ones? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the Robins are going to be backed by huge numbers once again on Saturday. If you go into the game, make sure that you're loud and proud. But for now, live, love, laugh and be happy. <laughs>